Today was the last sermon in my sermon series, uh, Meals with Jesus. Remember, we, every Sunday we had been dealing with what happens when Jesus eats with people. And you know, one time Jesus told everybody off. One time a woman washed his feet. I mean, lots of things happened when Jesus ate with people. But I am sorry to inform you that I just felt like at 9 o'clock this morning I had to change what I had. Is that all right? I'm sorry. Is this all right? You know, sometimes with pastors, when they're in a sermon series, they preach no matter what. They just, but I'm just not that like that. I'm just going to have to do what I feel like I got to do. Is that all right? So can we veer off from that? I said, can we veer off from that? And so since I feel the preach, I'm going to take the bow tie off. Because I feel like I'm being choked. Praise the Lord. Ooh. There you go. Now I can make those veins pop out of my... Is that all right? Okay. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that your word would go forth in power and in boldness. We pray that everything that's said and done would bring you the glory. And everyone shouted a great big Amen. I want to propose this question to you this morning. What makes some people blessed and other people not blessed? What makes some people walk in the favor of God while other people seem to struggle about everything? What makes some people receptive in the presence of God while some people seem to be hard and non-receptive to the presence of God. What makes some people succeed in life while it seems like other people struggle to do this and struggle to do that? Everything they put their hand to, it seems like it fails. What makes you sit there and think to yourself, I have served God all my life and yet it seems like there's one heartache after another heartache and one hardship after another hardship, you seem to question yourself. Like, what have I done wrong? Is there some sin in my life that I haven't confessed? Is there something in my life that maybe I don't see? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever wrestled with those thoughts in your mind, can I just be real with you this morning? Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, Preacher, I've thought that way before. I think that we're all in the same boat this morning. I think that one time or another, we have all thought that way before. I mean, we know deep inside that we are to celebrate other people. We know that if one person hurts, we should hurt with them. And when one person is being celebrated, we, our Christian character, should celebrate with them. But let's all be real. But sometimes it hurts to see somebody so blessed and so favored of God while you're barely struggling to put gas in the car. Say, preacher, I've thought that before. Can somebody wave your hand and say, can we just be honest today? 
We've all thought that way before. As I study the scriptures, it is very clear that the Bible says that he is no respecter of persons. We, we know that. We know that what God does for me, God will do for you. And what God will do for you, God will do for me. I think we all agree with that, that he is not a respecter of persons. But we forget something. He is a respecter of principles. Somehow, in our Christian theology, we seem to think that what God does for him, God will do for me, and that's true. But the dividing line is this. Some people are blessed more than others. Some people are prosperous more than others because they follow certain principles and precepts found in the Scriptures. Boy, can somebody help me out? Can, can, you, can somebody from over there say amen? He is not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of principles. You see, the Bible that I hold in my hand this morning is a book, not a magic book, not a, a, a control book where you can control God. God is sovereign. God is, God is full of providence. He will do what he will do. But this book is full of principles that if you do this, God will do this. If you don't do this, God won't do this. I'm a firm believer that if you follow the principles of this scripture, it will work for you. It works if you work it. Oh, hallelujah. Can somebody say amen? I said it works if you work it. If you're not tithing and you're not putting God first in your finances, don't get depressed when somebody is walking in the blessing of God who has put God first in their finances for years. Can I hear an amen? He is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. What principles are you following? You see, there is a difference in people. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the difference to distinguish. That's what wisdom is. It's the difference to distinguish. Should I do this or should I do this? Ha, I feel like that the church is bankrupt in wisdom. We don't know how to discern what to do, but wisdom is the ability to discern what to do. You see, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12 that the pastor and the prophet and the, pa uh, the teacher is supposed to equip the saints for the work of the ministry till we are not tossed to and fro anymore till we are mature in the faith. And the book of Hebrews says that the quality of maturity is the person who can distinguish between good and evil. The, the test of your spiritual maturity is your ability to discern what to do. How do I know I'm a spirit? How do I know I'm a full-grown Christian? How do I know I'm growing in my faith when you are walking in discernment and you know what to discern between right and wrong? I see our teenagers dating unsaved people, trying to get them into church. They have no wisdom. 
They're not spiritually grown up. The scripture says not to associate yourself with those who are outside of the community of faith when you're dating. Can I hear an amen? So wisdom is the ability to discern what to do. And that is the sign of spiritual maturity when you're able to discern correctly what to do according to the scriptures. How do I know I'm growing in my faith? How do I know I'm exercising my faith? How do I know that I'm no longer a child in the faith, but I'm a grown adult in the faith? And that is when you have the ability to discern what to do. A child, a natural child, doesn't know how to discern. That's why a child can put their hand on the stove and you've got to tell them don't do that because it's hot. They don't have the ability to discern that that is hot. They don't have the ability to discern that they shouldn't do some things. And if you are a Christian and you are struggling in knowing what to do and how to discern things, then that shows me that you are not really growing in your faith because a mature person who is growing in their faith has the ability to discern between right and wrong. Can somebody say amen? It amazes me. Christians, not grown up in the faith, making stupid decisions. Wisdom is the ability to discern what to do. Should I go to church or should I do this? Wisdom says it's only once a week. Now, if you're sick and on vacation or whatever, that's a totally different story. But you understand. If you're not getting up out of bed because you're tired, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can't get you up on Sunday morning, then you don't got that spirit. Can I just preach a little bit? Come on, somebody. Can I say amen a little bit? So the, the ability to discern is the attribute of somebody who was growing in their faith. Wisdom. Some people walk in the favor of God and the blessing of God because they're walking in wisdom and they're making the right decisions. Do I rack up the credit cards or do I do without that? Wisdom says, I'm not called to fulfill every want. I'm just called to take care of my needs. Well, I'm preaching up in here, and I can't get nobody to help me out. Can somebody in the balcony wave your hand and say, preach on, preacher? You see, that's what happens. And then we come to the altar, and we're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Is it God's fault? Wisdom. Come on, somebody. My marriage is falling apart. I'm living with the devil. Who married the devil? Wisdom says you've got to wait until you find the right one because you might have to live with the devil for the rest of your life. Can somebody just say amen right there? Ooh, is this some good preaching tonight? Is this some good preaching? Can somebody just stand and wave your hanky and say, Preach on, preacher! Thank you, Pastor Orlando. You see, I've been in this thing all my life. I've heard all kinds of excuses why people don't serve God. 
And all you pastors, I mean, I heard all, you wouldn't even believe the excuses I've heard. Lord God, if you can't go to church, then don't tell me you're going to die for your faith. Can I hear an amen? So, what is the principles that make somebody different? I want to be different. Principle number one. This is what makes people different. These are the principles found in the Word of God. Principle number one. The difference in people is who they pursue. That's what makes people different. Number one, the difference in people is who they pursue. Number one, the difference in people is who they pursue. That causes you to be successful or non-successful. Did you know that Billy Graham, when he started his ministry, one of the things that Billy Graham did was pursue the presidents of the United States? Do you know that Billy Graham said that nowhere when he first started his ministry, did the presidents pursue him. But he pursued the presidents. Billy Graham says in his book that he would send pictures of thousands of people in, his, in the stadium. He would send telegrams to the president, and he would tell the president, there is a spiritual awakening in America. He would also tell the president, we are praying for you. If the president never responded, guess what? He'd send another picture. He would send another telegram. He was pursuing the presidents until one day the presidents needed prayer and guess who they remembered? They remembered a guy by the name of Billy Graham. You see, the blind man pursued Jesus. Jesus didn't pursue the blind man. The woman with the issue of blood never, per she pursued Jesus, but Jesus never pursued her. You see, what makes you different in life is who you pursue. Are you pursuing after your mentors? Are you pursuing after books? Are you pursuing after things that can raise your level of thinking and raise your spiritual growth? Or are you pursuing after artificial means of spiritual growth? Who are you pursuing in life? The blind man was healed because he pursued Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood became healed because she pursued Jesus. Zebedee, Zebedee's mother, the sons of Zebedee, her mother, their mother, what did she do? She pursued Jesus and said, can my son set on in your kingdom, one on your right and one on your left? You see, ladies and gentlemen, what makes people successful? What makes people non-successful? What makes people favored and not favored? It is really about who you pursue in your life. Parents, are you teaching your children that they should pursue after everything else except for the things of God? You're teaching them how successful they're going to be. Who do you pursue? If you show me your mentor, I can show you how successful you're going to be in your life. If you show me how many people you surround yourself with, I can tell you how successful you will be. People nowadays say, don't judge me, don't judge me. Listen, if you're hanging around with people that their pants is down to their kneecaps and they don't work a job and they're playing Pokemon all day long, I don't think you're going to be successful because you're pursuing after the wrong type of crowd. Woo! Can somebody say amen? 
Who are you pursuing? Number two, what makes people different? The difference is, the difference, number two, the difference in people is what they magnify. Number two, the difference in people is in what they magnify. The difference in people is in what they magnify. You see, I've learned one thing in life, and that is this. You've got to work at magnifying the good. You see, because we're so easily prone to magnify the bad. What do you do when problems arise in your life? Do you automatically magnify it, or do you put water on it? People who are favored and blessed and honored are people who have the ability to magnify the good and downgrade the bad. Nowadays, you've got to be careful who you talk to because they'll let you know everything that's going wrong in their life. Listen, we all have problems and we all struggle. That's fine. We all struggle. But you see, there's a difference about magnifying it and making it bigger than what it is. You see, you are a collection of parts. And whatever you magnify is what you're going to believe. So if you don't believe good about yourself and you always magnify the flaws of your life, you're going to believe that about yourself. So what are you believing about yourself and what are you magnifying? Are you magnifying the problems of your life? Or are you magnifying the good in your life? You see, it's interesting to me, it's interesting to me that uh, your hips will wear out, your teeth will fall out, your hair will fall out, your eyes will get dim, but your tongue never wears out. You can be 90 years old up in the nursing home and still lying. Can't see, can't walk, but your lips are still flapping away. You know what? Because you've got to control what you magnify with your mouth. What can I hear an amen? Number three, what makes people successful is what they are willing to ignore in life. What they are willing to ignore in life. You know what? Some people can't ignore anything. You know, but I've learned one thing, that if you're going to be successful in life, you've got to choose the things to ignore and choose your time wisely to put your energy in stuff that makes a difference. Lord, if I focused on, and you know, I used to be really, really bad about this. Any criticism in the church, anything going bad, it really would bother me. It still bothers me. I'm working on it, but I've got much better over it because I've decided I'm called to be a pastor, and sometimes that's not popular. I mean, I'm the fourth person of the Godhead. Until I say something to you you don't like. And guess what? That's just how we are, aren't we? I mean, that's just our human makeup. We... You know, we don't understand what agreement and submission is. You're happy as long as we agree. But the moment you've got to submit, oh, 
Well, I'm preaching real good up in here. I hope the Methodist church is having a good time like we are. You see, what are you willing to ignore in life? President Clinton, when he was in office, they used to bring things to his desk, trivial things that could be taken care of by somebody else on his staff. He made the statement to his staff in his cabinet. He says, listen, I choose to ignore some things because I got to focus on the most important things. What are you going to choose to do? There are some things you've got to choose just to ignore and not let things bother you. Number four, what makes people favored and blessed more than others is principles. But number four, what are you willing to walk away from? What are you willing to walk away from? Number four, what are you willing to walk away from? You see, ladies and gentlemen, it's we don't want to walk away from something because it is our comfort zone. But if you look at the scripture, Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife while Samson laid his head in the lap of Delilah. One person ran away while the other person played around. What are you willing to walk away from? Because the price of your future is really in your present. You see, the children of Israel had to leave Egypt before they ever went to the Canaan land. Ruth had to leave Moab before she ever experienced the blessing of God. Anything significant usually comes with discomfort. If you're ever going to make progress in your life, you've got to be uncomfortable. You've got to decide to walk away from things. Joseph walked away from Potiphar's wife. The children of Israel walked away from Egypt. You've got to learn now. I've got to walk away some things in my life that don't really matter. And some people never fulfill their future because they're always stuck in the present. But listen, discomfort is the price tag for promotion. If you really want to be promoted, you've got to become discomfortable, uncomfortable. Listen, I don't want you to become uncomfortable. That is why I'm always saying, let's believe God for this. Let's give towards provision for the vision. Let's do something in the children's department. Because you know what I'm doing? I'm keeping us moving so we don't become comfortable in our padded seats, that our minds are always active and we're always pursuing a goal together. Does it make sense? we got to keep active. What happens if you're not active? Well, you can get heart failure. You can gain weight. It's not good in activity. We've got to keep active together. We've got to walk away from some things in our life. Number five, the difference in people is this. The difference in people is who they believe. Is who they believe. Number five is who they believe. Who they believe. You see, you are where you are. Now listen to me. You are where you are in life because you believe someone. The reason I went to school is because my pastor suggested I needed to go to school and educate myself. I believed him, so I went. I didn't pray about it for 15 days. Most of you lose the blessing of God because you're praying for five years over something when God says you don't need to pray about some things. Get up and go do it. I didn't pray about it. I just knew that God is pleased if I educate my mind. As long as I stay within the Scripture. Somebody say amen. So I believed Him and I went. 
You see, you are where you are because you believe somebody. Are you believing your spouse? Are you believing your kids? Listen, you can have four kids and two of them will believe you and two of them will believe your, your husband or vice versa. It's just how it is. You are where you are because you believe somebody. Jim Jones, which was a founder of a cult in the 1970s, do you know what caused his demise? His demise is, is when he went to California and spoke to Father Divine. Father Divine told Jim Jones that he was God in the carnage. He believed Father Jones, came back and began to propagate a false doctrine to his, to his congregation and then led 900 of them to South Africa. And they drank the Kool-Aid. And in November of 1978, somewhere around there, 900 of them drank the Kool-Aid. Do you know why? Because they believed him. Who are you believing in life? Who do you believe? Number six. There are some people who are successful is because the enemy that they're willing to confront. They confront the enemy in their life. The enemy that they're willing to confront. The enemy that they are willing to confront. Let me tell you something. What is an enemy? An enemy is not necessarily a person. An enemy is the bridge to another season. I just said a mouthful. Did you all just get that? An enemy is the bridge to another season. If you're willing to confront the enemy, you can be promoted to another season. You see, David confronted Goliath, and because he confronted Goliath, he was promoted to another season. If you're not willing to confront the enemy, you will stay in the same spot. Let's confront the enemy. Let's move forward. The enemy is the bridge to another season. Confront the enemy in your life. Number seven, what is the weaknesses that you're willing to overcome? What is the weaknesses that you're willing to overcome? The weaknesses that you're willing to overcome. What do I mean by that? What do you do to your weaknesses? Do you feed it? Do you grow it? Do you confront it? Or do you fuel it? What do you do with your weaknesses? Every man falls, but it's great men and women that get up. I'm going to say that again. Every great man falls, but it is great men and women that gets up. I'm going to say it again. Every man falls, but it is great men and women that get up. Are you willing to confront the enemy? Are you willing to confront your weaknesses? We all have weaknesses. Some are greater than others, but we all have weaknesses. And you've got to realize, am I going to feed the weakness? Am I going to fuel the weakness? Am I going to grow the weakness? Or am I going to confront the weakness? You see, don't lose me. You've got to create an environment that permits your weaknesses to die. If you have a problem with alcohol, I would not suggest that you go witnessing down at Turtles. Come on, somebody. If you have problem with women, I wouldn't suggest you buy magazines of Sports Illustrated. Do you know what I'm saying? You've got to learn to create an environment around you where your weaknesses die and your faith is growing. 
Did you hear me? Create an environment that permits your weaknesses to die. What kind of environment are you permitting? What kind of environment do you permit in your home? Because it will either fuel the weakness or confront the weakness or grow the weakness. Number eight, your reaction to greatness. Your reaction to greatness. What do I mean by that? How are you intimidated by people who are better than you? Do you celebrate them? Or are you an Absalom who can't stand people who do anything greater than you are? Your reaction to greatness and excellence in other people will pave the way for your promotion or your dispotion. What, how do you react around them? Are you intimidated by great achievers or do you celebrate them? You get nowhere by being intimidated, but you get everywhere by celebration. What is your reaction to greatness? I heard a story one time of a TV evangelist. He had a he had some, he was he pastored a church and I'm not going to name any names, but he told a story that perfectly illustrates this. He had a young preacher that wanted to change the world. So this TV evangelist said, "Well, you know what, buddy? Just come with me. I got to pick up Bill. Uh, I got to pick up Benny Hinn from the uh, uh, from the uh, airport, and you can go with me." So they go to the airport, pick up Benny Hinn, and so they're all three in the car, and that young man never shut up. He talked the whole time for 45 minutes all the way back to the church. When they got back to the church, the pastor said, come here, buddy. So he comes up to the pastor. He says, let me just give you a word of wisdom. When there is somebody in the car that's done something with their life, it would behoove you to shut your mouth and listen to what's inside of them. You know what makes people successful? Because when they hang around with people that's done things better than they have, they learn to shut their mouth and soak it in. Boy, I'm preaching real good up in here. Is this all right? And number nine, I'm almost done. Who they have chosen to honor. Who have you chosen to honor? It's amazing to me that we will honor football players who take a pigskin and knock it across the field and honor them, and we tell our teenagers to hang their pictures on their walls, but then we complain the preacher if he gets a new car. What are you teaching this society? It's okay for somebody to, to, to kick a pigskin across the football field and get $40 million, but roast the preacher if he gets a new car. What are you teaching people to honor? Are we teaching them, let's honor the man and woman of God? Or are we teaching them, let's honor somebody who plays a little bit of sports, but that's not making a difference in nobody's lives? The last time you went to a football game, was your life changed? Was your marriage put back together? Was your children delivered from porn? What really did it do for you? We'll shell out the $200, but when the pastor takes a special offering, oh God. Am I against sports? Absolutely not. 
because I'm studying to be a football player. I ain't against sports. Did you hear me? I ain't against play them. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday. But on Sunday, we're going to honor God. What are you honoring Some of us pay more money on our food for our pets than we give to the house of God. You know why people are successful? They've chosen to honor. I remember one time I was praying in the sanctuary when I was working under my pastor. And I was praying for my sermon and the Lord spoke to me and said, Stop. You have never prayed for your pastor to be anointed. You spend the whole time praying for him and I'll anoint you. Everybody you trust is always trusting somebody you don't trust. You've got honor. Number 10, who are you willing to protect? Your family? Obviously, your wife or your husband should always protect them. They're number one. Protect the church. Protect leadership. Should always protect leadership. And I'm closing with this. One of the greatest profound statements I ever heard from anybody in this church came from Grandma Beaver. She told me a couple when I started pastoring, her husband never came to much church. He did get saved right before he died. She said, Pastor, I've learned in all my years of attending church, I never went home and told my husband anything negative about this church because I never wanted to color his opinion about ever coming to this church. I wanted to always protect this church. And ladies and gentlemen, if you attend this church, you should protect this church and defend this church because there are people that's had their fill of failing churches and you should never protect you should never project anything on this church to make this church look bad, but you should defend it. As long as we're not committing sin or immorality or doing something unethical, then you should always protect it to the very end. Don't give, don't give a reason for people not to come. If you don't agree with something Pastor Josh does, then it's not a sin issue. I may not like your shirt. It's not a sin issue. It's not immorality. we got to learn to honor people even in spite of their preferences. Who are you willing to protect? My, my cousin, Randy Lawrence, if he ever comes to you, he might tell you the story. He was a bishop in his denomination, and he corrected a pastor because he was committing immorality. And he actually set the pastor down and removed him from the church. Well, this pastor got so mad that he started accusing my cousin, who is married and has three or four kid, three kids, that he was a homosexual. And he even went to the newspaper and put the name of the church in the newspaper and even advertised falsely 
that the church was a gay-affirming church. The people of his church begin to call Bishop Lawrence and says, Bishop, we were reading the paper. So what is in the world happening? He had to get up in front of his church and say he corrected this pastor and this pastor was coming against him because he was corrected. You see, later that man became deathly ill to the point of death. When you come against the people that God has set in leadership who is following God with all their heart and all their might and they're not committing sin, you are on dangerous ground. Very dangerous ground. Who are you willing to protect? Lastly, your difference is who instruction that you will obey. Whose instruction will you obey? Mostly, let's obey the word of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. Amen. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord today? Amen. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord today?